Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we discuss principles that help us live beyond the mask. My name's Robbie Angle, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace in our relationships with God, ourselves, and others. Let's jump into this week's conversation. I'm really excited to introduce Jeff and Tara Matson as our guests this week on the podcast. This is the first time on the new format we're going to have a couple, two people share a story together, and I could not be more excited. Jeff and Tara have been friends for a couple years now. They have been friends of True Face and partnered with us in this ministry and this message as they have two beautiful little girls. They have been married. They'll... I'll get them to tell us more, but they live in the greater Portland area. And Jeff, Tara, welcome to the True Face podcast. Thanks hey, for having thanks, us. Thanks, Robbie. Now, you guys, tell us a little bit about your family, your life. You guys are outside Portland, living wholehearted. Give us some context for your family. Yeah, we have two daughters. We're uh, in the middle school years uh, with our two girls. We've been married almost a couple decades now, and we live outside in the country on five acres. The We call it the Living Wholehearted Lodge and Retreat outside Portland, Oregon. Yeah, we've got, uh, gosh, our daughters aren't that little anymore. Our oldest is five foot seven. Holy smokes. Wow. She that, passed me at last 13. Year. And uh, our youngest at, uh, at 11. And we are in the thick of it, man. We're just, we're, we're trying to live what we believe and enjoy these girls, uh, work hard and play hard. And that's a little bit about how we roll. And we do a lot together. We uh, work together. We started Living Wholehearted about how many years ago now? Uh, 10 2011. Years ago? Okay. And uh, <laughs> so we do um, everything from professional counseling to organizational development. And so Jeff and I our coworkers mm-hmm. and business partners, ministry, as well as husband, wife, parenting together. So we have to learn how to practice what we preach. That's awesome. I, uh, I first met you guys, uh, well, I first met Jeff about a year and a half, two years ago. We went fly fishing together in Wyoming. And y'all, if Come you on. were listening to this, this guy is an incredible fly fisherman. He, <laughs> my dad and I went with Bill Thrall and Jeff three-day float trip in Wyoming on the uh-huh. North Platte. And he was out there, like we were over there having lunch, like casually, like taking a little break. And Jeff's like, forget food. He's over there in this crevice <laughs> sniping this like small pocket about 45 feet away from him, just like a small little window. And he pulled a 22-incher out, out of there that I thought was impossible. He was a he was sniping those fish. Jeff, you are you have a touch, man. I want to be like you when I grow up. You weren't uh, you weren't too shabby yourself. Uh, I was watching you pulling one after another in that drift boat, and for me, uh, such a highlight to watch you and your dad interact. That was just a real treat. You guys were so much fun. A shout out to uh, Rob Senior. That's right. He uh, he taught me what I don't know about fly fishing, and I, I picked up the rest from you on those three days. So let I, I want to jump in. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. As you know, on this podcast, we invite guests to share a story from their life, and then we just unpack the principle learned and, and all work to apply that principle into our lives. So I, I want to mm-hmm. jump in and let you guys share what, what God's mm-hmm. put on your heart to share with us. Oh, that sounds good. Well, I think when we talked a little bit about what we felt God was asking us to share, 
Uh, it, we're going to tell you a story a little bit uh, that goes back to our early dating days. That, and then the principle is going to be carried out throughout our lives. Uh, but I, we met at a Christian college up in the Northwest. And I was heading towards vocational ministry and youth ministries. I had been an intern at a, a, a church so outside my environment, downtown Seattle, <clears throat> inner city scenario. I grew up in the suburbs, was totally unprepared for this, but felt called uh, to this particular location after visiting. And uh, ultimately, I got a job at this church. It was my first first full-time ministry uh, vocational job. Um, I'm working with uh, students that uh, a youth group of 14. They're... 12 of the 14 kids, uh, English was a second language. I mean, this was, God help me uh, love these kids like you would, but I felt so ill-equipped. Tara I and a few <laughs> friends, I reached out to her. I was like, you got to help me with these girls. She became my intern. We're dating, and uh, I needed help and resource around me. And there were some really beautiful things about this church, Robbie. Um and I learned a lot about um, uh, God and his character in this experience and environment. But uh, one thing, one day I showed up for work and my immediate boss, the church administrator, we'll call him Rich, um, he was always the first there and the last to leave. And uh, we just couldn't figure out why Rich wasn't there that day. And uh, ultimately, after a long process of, uh, of searching and finding and discovering things, we discovered that Rich wasn't who Rich said that he was. And um, in fact, he turned out to be a professional embezzler and um, had come to the church five years prior to I arriving there and just set the table um, put to push play on a plan that he executed. And you can imagine the devastation, how challenging that was to get that news for our ministry staff. No one had any clue. He was a master at what he did, and uh, he took all the old money in the church. The church had been over, a, you know, had a hundred-year history. It didn't have a lot of money, though, um, for most of its more recent history was filled with uh, uh, children uh, for that we would bust in from the international district and um, uh, homeless and other folks that were just destitute and in need. So not a lot of revenue coming into that church. A couple mm -hmm. core families, that was it, but uh, uh, he wiped it out, and uh, and I, I think that that was one of many early, and this is 25 years ago, something around there. No, mm -hmm. time's not yeah. necessarily my best thing. What, <laughs> yeah. In that, that range, 20 right. to 25, honey? Right. Sure. What about that? Yeah, a long time ago, but that was one of the really key, I think, wake-up calls um, for me, for us, uh, among many at that time, and then many more since, uh, about living with integrity and um, understanding what integrity is. Uh, it's not a statement. It's not a bumper sticker. It's a way of being. And it really has an impact when people, leaders particularly, live and lead with integrity. It sure has an impact when they don't. It's just a matter of time. Tara, what would you say? Yeah, I think we learned so much about trauma and our own stories, um, trust. Uh, I personally hadn't really found my voice yet at that stage in my life. And I remember internally really struggling with this gentleman and feeling judgmental and feeling um, confused about why I felt uncomfortable around him. Um, but looking back, I didn't have the ability to be able to um, 
listen to my own discernment and what God was telling me. I would only kind of look outward. And over the years, um, that has been something we work really hard with, with our clients and with our friends is, is restoring power so people can really discern what God is showing them um, in their own walk and to, and to be able to be honest about their thoughts, feelings. Um, but at the time, I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, we all just trusted this man. Um, and it's so sad because it didn't end well. It's not a happy ending. There's no big bow to it. Um, but what it did was set Jeff and I on a trajectory to better understand how in the church um, do we offer grace and forgiveness and trust in a world where there are still wolves in sheep clothing. And so we've spent a lifetime really helping discern um, the difference and then also helping those that have been wounded uh, by the trauma of leaders and their lack of integrity um, as we too were really wounded. That was just one of many, but it was kind of a traumatic one we were young so yeah yeah what did that do to your faith as a young christian working at a church with the ideals that we have going into ministry um where people are falling and get sideways and yeah what what did that do to your hearts yeah for me um it broke my heart um and i think god um deepened my deepened my faith uh, through depression. Uh, it, mm-hmm. I was at s- such a loss. Um, you know, I thought I had, uh, there was, I had a, a lot of wonderful examples in my life, um, prior to my undergraduate years. And, um, I had like a lot of kids that grew up in the church had awesome experiences at church camp and at, um, through missions trips. And, um, you know, I thought my faith was strong. Um, my love for God was real, but, uh, this environment shook all of that and God, uh, maybe another principle, but, uh, God, God, uh, needed to show me, uh, just how big he was and how broad his shoulders mm-hmm. were. And, um, and when you have nothing left, uh, you, know, you, I, I, I saw him more clearly. I saw him in, um, because my dependency was like off the charts. Like I had nothing left in the tank, nothing left to hold on to. And you're just reaching for, for an anchor point, something, something that you could grab onto a handle. And he became more real through that for me than almost anything else. And that propelled me for all the stuff that we're doing today and then or after. How about you? I'll fill in a little bit of the reality there is Jeff actually took a hiatus from the church ministry for five years. Mm -hmm. He wanted nothing to do with his original call. God really um, had had drawn him to the church and he had, um, that's partly how we met and what we thought we'd be doing together. And the hiatus of how God didn't um, give up on what he had already planted in Jeff. And so this long road of where God brought him slowly back to his love for the church and his heart. Um, But it, it was a long road and I, I didn't grow up in the church, so it, it rocked me in other ways. Um, But I think to be honest, I, it showed us how we dealt with pain. Jeff went inward and went towards the Lord and I was like, suck it up. (laughs) Mm. <laughs> which is not a healthy response either. But I almost broke up with Jeff because I was like, dude, get over it, which doesn't isn't very helpful. Mm. Um, and... I like that she's a tough woman now. <laughs> I'm more gracious now. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it, it is something that 
all of us, and Tara, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because this is what you do professionally. All of us, most all of us have had differing degrees of trauma in our lives. And a lot of the times uh, we're traumatically impacted from family of origin or people that have hurt us. And a lot of times you guys are sharing a story that a lot of us have experienced of um, being traumatized by somebody in the church or representing faith that Mm -hmm. um, is damaging and hurtful in a different way for how we see God, how, how we respond and how all that gets mixed up. But mm-hmm. um, what do we do with that when somebody in the church or representing uh, a Christianity has hurt us in the past or currently? Because that's different. It, it feels a little different to me because it just starts it is. changing our relationship with God in some ways. It could. It skews our relationship because we somehow, and it's very human, we put um, our human examples up against God and they're our representation, whether it's our parents and our spiritual mentors there um, or our pastors or our leaders. And so um, it's normal that it confuses us, but part of the first piece is to name the hurts Mm -hmm. and you start to see that God didn't do that, but this person did that. So being able to name it and then to grieve it. I have this cheesy saying in my first book, Courageous, called uh, or that you have to feel it to heal it. But it really helps us to recognize we've got to grieve. And so Jeff actually was healing well. He grieved. He mm-hmm. took the time to grieve. I was a little more like move up, you know, push past, which is a part of my story and how why grieving and feeling has been such a huge part of why I help others as well as my own journey. But we have to grieve it. You can't just move on. And oftentimes we just brush ourselves off and move on and think, oh, that won't happen again. Or that was a fluke. Or um, we live compartmentalized where maybe outwardly we're engaged in the church, but inwardly we're guarded still. Uh, So we've really got to move through that grieving piece and separate what belongs to that person and what belongs to God. And then I think, honestly, God can hold our shaking our fist at him. And sometimes we need to be able to do that, too, Mm -hmm. to say, how did you let this happen? Or why did you let this happen? And um, I think we're in a situation right now in this pandemic where a lot of people are needing to uh, do that with God as well, to be able to be honest and to Mm -hmm. voice their hurt and concern. We can't see down the road. We know that he's faithful, but we can't always see down the road. Yeah, sometimes it takes just a long time before you see, um, and this was, this was one of those things that I had heard about, but, um, you know, people talk about God's faithfulness and his goodness. And I remember working years later, I mean, over a decade later, getting back into vocational ministry, being invited back into a different setting. And it was with children at that point. And, um, but I remember, you know, sharing with families, parents and, and kids, and teenagers that uh, uh, these these things about God and His character and how He cared about their pain and what they were going through, mm-hmm. and I would I would remember lending hope in in you as a, somebody who's been in the ministry world for a long time. You know you know what that's like. You lend you lend that hope because you believe in that. But I would I would get in my car after the ministry day and I'd sit in my car sometimes by myself. Just uh, my family was already at home and. And I'd just weep, you know, because I would be like, God, I just talked about all that you do. And I'm asking you, to, what about my family? What about my pain that uh, I'm still holding and still carrying? And and I would ask him about that and ask him about that. And 
And then, um, and then for me, cause it just, you know, again, some of this stuff, sometimes it just takes years and years and years for me, about 14 years before I started seeing God redeem pain in my life where not that he fixed it all or made it all beautiful. Um, but the, he was starting to make some things beautiful, you know, and wow. starting to redeem some of the pain. And I could not deny what I was seeing. And that, became a snowball um, of hope and of of actual conviction, deepening my conviction and allowing me to even further lend more uh, hope in his name because this is what he does. This is how he can do it. And it became very real for me. I have one more principle that applies to kind of how those listening can take this further is is to keeping our own hearts soft. I mean, I remember another betrayal that happened later on. It's a whole other story. Um, but a, a leader came up to me and handed me some hand sanitizer and just said, make sure you keep your own heart clean because um, you feel like the tar from this other person is all over you. And I couldn't get it off. He was mm -hmm. referring to Spider-Man, the movie Spider-Man and how the tar was going everywhere. And, and I remember the Lord really speaking to us at that time to say, keep your hearts soft. And, and there are still good leaders. There's still good shepherds. Um, and, and we can be that for others. And so I hear I'm choking up a little bit, but um, people need people need safe, trusted leaders. And then those of us that have failed or struggled or, or been that hurtful leader, um, I love that our God allows us to repair. It just takes time and we need to allow for that time. Nothing happens overnight. I think we like to sensationalize things in the church and be like, he healed me. Yeah. But we have to go through the hard work of the relational damage um, being restored. I am really thankful for you guys sharing because uh, you you guys are actually professionals at this. We, you teach it and you have lived it and you both are uh, testifying to the fact that it is hard and it takes a long time. And it mm -hmm. looked differently for both of you. It's fun having a couple on as a guest because just seeing the difference in your responses uh, we can't mm -hmm. um, take someone else's uh, mm -hmm. way of healing and overcoming the trauma and own it for ourselves. But we have to do those steps you mentioned, which was name the hurt and then grieve it and feel mm -hmm. it to heal it. And that takes time. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. that looks differently for us. But man, that principle you just said as this uh, as something for, to take away when we have hurt and wounds that happen to us and trauma, particularly relationally and in the church, to not let that define or dictate how we love, how we will model something differently, and who God is by this person's leadership or poor representation of the things that we are trying to live into as believers. But to keep our hearts soft and have faith. And what, what I hear mm -hmm. when you say that is to not let the trauma define who we are with a hard heart and distancing ourselves from the church, which for a time, that's natural part of healing, but long-term from the church and from relationships, because that indicator is not an indicator of the truth. It's a lack of integrity, but yeah. we get the opportunity to continue to love well. Uh, to replace that with a soft heart and not a hard heart. And I think that's mm -hmm. what each of us can do because every single one of us has kept people 
and the church and God at a distance because of a wound that's happened from somebody else. Absolutely. And and when I can name that hurt, it differentiates it from God to that person. And then Mm -hmm. I allow myself time to feel it. And Mm -hmm. if we do those two steps as a part of forgiveness, I think you guys have shared the freedom of that is for our benefit, Mm -hmm. not for their benefit. But if we can, Mm -hmm. if we can name it, and grieve it and feel it, mm-hmm. we experience the freedom. And and Jeff, your freedom and Tara, your freedom of not letting that define you and you walked away from the church forever, but to mm-hmm. do those steps and to forgive him, to be able to re-engage in the church and be mm-hmm. an example of love instead of letting him define you, well done. Mm-hmm. That feels like it's a courageous move because it's easier to just give up in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Thank you. So you guys um, have written about this. You've talked about this. I want to make sure if people want to jump into this a little bit further, Tara, your first book, Courageous, tell us where we can find that and learn more about that. Yeah, it's Courageous, Being Daughters Rooted in Grace. And it's specifically talking to the little girl and all us women and the needs that we have. Um, I I do address from a trauma lens, but it's mostly about um, women. How can we uh, lean into who God says we are, how to be known, how to be loved, um, how to be rooted, especially when the storms come. And then what does courage really mean from a biblical worldview? Um, And then how to pass that on to our daughters and those that we're mentoring. So um, you can find that really anywhere books are sold at this Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. And then our second. We don't have time, but I want to, I want to. I want to read it for my two daughters uh, now, particularly yeah. you alluding to not hearing, not finding your voice yet, and not having, yes, not yeah. not having that. I'm really interested to read. I'm assuming it's in the book, courageous. It is, and it's a foundational piece for girls uh, and women. Um, and I sit with marriages and organizational teams, and finding our voice is a huge piece. So that's a whole other podcast. Yes, and you guys are also <laughs> working on a book together that's coming out. And you guys are also working on a book together that's coming out in the fall. Tell us about that, Jeff. Yeah, that's right. Um, we have uh, we're in the editing process here, but uh, it's called shrinking the integrity gap. It really is tied to our kind of our core message uh, for our lives and our work and our um, our mission, if you will, to 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 help more leaders and particularly emerging leaders uh, shrink the distance between the values that they preach and the values that they live. And we're trying to do that every day. That's integrity for us. It's, uh, it's a way of being. Nobody ever did, did that perfectly except for Christ himself. He is the only one that didn't have that integrity gap. So for us, all of us, whether you believe or following Jesus or not, it's a noble pursuit to shrink the distance between what you say you do and act what you actually do. That's respected <laughs> uh, any, anywhere. And so, yeah. and that's a lifelong process and there's setbacks from that and, and, and then you gain ground. And, uh, but we go into some of the stories, even that we had shared here with you today uh, and many more and, and stories of others, uh, along with some principles that we think can help people and particularly young and emerging leaders yes. um, not step into holes that are common for, um, vulnerabilities for leaders of all types and of all levels uh, that find themselves in. It comes from the f- 15 some years of private practice with working with leaders, mm-hmm. both in the counseling and in the uh, leadership coaching organizational development space. Uh where they shared stories that they couldn't share anywhere else um, behind that safe sort of confidential space. Yeah. That's awesome. And you, and we can find out more information at livingwholehearted.com and we can access your podcast that way and get 
updates on yeah. the new book and you guys it, this has been so much fun now and how long have you been tracking with the true face tribe and the true face team yeah about eight years um so we've been connected to bruce mcnichol and then we got to be a part of a mentoring um cohort as well so we That's just awesome. we love true face and it's really been a beautiful blend um, of the core of finding our identity mm-hmm. again and who God says we are um, who and he who, says, who he he is. says he is. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. We love you all. It, well, you guys are doing incredible work with the gifts God's given you. And, and I um, am thankful to have you as new friends. And, and to, to wrap it up, I want to ask you guys a couple questions. The first one is, what's something in your life that's life-giving? <laughs> oh, life-giving, man. We were always searching for that. Um, I would just say uh, one of the things that, that is life-giving for our family, actually, is fly fishing. Come on. Tara's waving her arm right there. <laughs> and uh, every, every year, Rob, Robbie, we're looking for, uh, looking for our annual trips. Uh, we love to head down as a family, yeah. family of four down to the North Umpqua. And um, my daughter's um they were in the baby bjorn you know those packs right that the dads attached to their chest yeah they still call them that and uh okay they still call them that well that wasn't a commercial it was it was a pack uh but both girls were in there and as i was in ankle deep water casting a a fly fly, uh to to uh wild cutthroat uh rainbows down there and tara um we're she likes to go when it's in warm weather (laughs) <laughs> I, I need to have some sunshine and some heat yeah. if I'm going fly fishing. Camping, we the, we outdoors, the outdoors. We, we yeah. got to have that. That's life given to us. And we find, as many do, we find God everywhere. That's what that's what Nevi told me just the other day, our youngest. She said, I find God everywhere, Dad. Yeah. And awesome. uh, I, that made me so happy. That's awesome. Now, next question. Who or what are you learning from in your reading or listening or studying? Oh, gosh, (laughs) because we just finished our book, we were reading all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of my favorites to go back to right now is uh, an Eric Metaxas. 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 He's got some really great stories of um, just those in history and how they've made it through in their journey um, from Bonhoeffer to Luther. And I'm reading one still taking me forever to get through it but the seven women and it, there's like rosa park and, and mother Teresa. but i just love people's stories whether i'm in the counseling room or outside i'm still engaging in how people get through uh their season of life and the things that they have learned about god so um that's awesome well y'all thank you for joining this has been a ton of fun jeff i can't wait to go fishing with you again yeah buddy let's do it your your float trips next time you're doing it and we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the true face podcast Our, our goal here is to help you experience and apply grace into your everyday life through sharing stories and processing the principles out of those as we all learn to live beyond the mask and so we hope you tune into the next one so give it five stars if you like it if you don't don't give us a rating Um, (laughs) but subscribe and share with with your friends and uh we'll see you next time thanks y'all